Praise the Lord, dear friends. It's good to be here in this place. Uh, first and foremost, I'd like to thank the church leadership, um, Pastor Andre, all the elders, uh, the youth leadership, Pastor Andre, and all the other leaders that are here. Andy, a lot of respect coming with the boys. I have two boys growing right now, and that's something I tell my wife every single time. Like, can't wait to go with the boys. So, uh, awesome, awesome example. But it's great to be in the house of the Lord, and I just like uh, to share a few words on the gospel, the beautiful message of the gospel, the power of the blood of the Lamb, the power of the blood of Jesus. And uh, while I was driving here, had the opportunity. I don't typically drive through Tacoma, but to be able to drive through some of the streets of Tacoma uh, this evening. And so much brokenness when you look around. I don't know how you are when you drive. I try to observe and look what's going on. And there's so much brokenness around us. And you know, you look at all of the people. I, I love, Andy was talking about this is perfectly. The blame game, right? Whose fault is it? And what is the solution? Friends, I believe that the most powerful solution to a broken world is the blood of Jesus. When the blood of Jesus is applied upon the life of an individual, something happens that no other solution can solve, can fix. When a person is stuck in sin, sin is sin. You can try to put a band-aid over it, but it's from within. But when the blood of Jesus is applied, that's when things can truly change and be transformed. Amen. Uh, I'd like to just read a few verses from Hebrews, and this is going to be the emphasis uh, of tonight's word. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, if you could open with me. Hebrews 12, 18. And we'll go lower. Hebrews 12, 18, it says, For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, in a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. And I want to especially highlight verse 24. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Before jumping in and really emphasizing and focusing on Verse 24 tonight, I just want to highlight some of the things that the author is trying to point out to us in these verses. There's a comparison going on between Mount Sinai and Mount Zion and the different atmosphere that you can feel between the two mountains. Both mountains, but you see a difference. Mount Sinai, you see a blazing fire. This is listed in verse 18, a blazing fire, darkness, gloom, a tempest or a strong wind. The people are afraid. They want this to end. And not just the people. It says that even Moses is afraid when this was happening. This was a place that only Moses could go up to. 
a very serious moment. But then what's the comparison with Mount Zion? Mount Zion, it says that angels are in a celebratory gathering. There's the church of Jesus, the firstborn. God, the perfect judge, is present. There are the spirits of the righteous people. And especially what I want to emphasize is there is Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant for all people. Jesus makes a covenant through his blood, not just for the Hebrews, the people of Israel, but for all people. Friends, that includes us. Many of us come from a Slavic background, but you know what's beautiful? It extends beyond just us. It extends to the whole world. The covenant that Jesus made with his blood was for people from every tribe, nation, and tongue. And so the, the way that I saw this phrase is if you look at Mount Sinai, that was the place where the law came. But when you look at Mount Zion, that was where the cross came. And what we see, the effects of both things. And so with that, I want to jump to where it begins to speak on Jesus. Verse 24, Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. And it brings a comparison. So it was comparing Mount, Sion, uh, Mount Sinai and Mount Zion. And now it's giving a comparison of Jesus and Abel. Who remembers Abel? Do you remember Abel's brother? What was his name? Cain. There was something that happened. Right? It's speaking of a word, that, a better word that's spoken than that of which is Abel. I want us to look a little bit at Abel. Abel lives a life obediently before the Lord where we see him come as some of the heroes of faith listed in Hebrews chapter 11. Abel is listed there. That by faith he brought a sacrifice that was pleasing, more pleasing to the Lord than that which was of Cain. Jesus also lives a perfect life, not just one in some obedience, but in perfect obedience. Abel gives a sacrifice that is pleasing unto the Lord through faith. Jesus walks perfectly before his Father, so much so that the end he goes to the cross, fulfilling the will of his Father to the fullest extent. Abel is a victim of someone else's corruption. He is innocent. Abel, in this, matter, in this matter, he's just giving an offering before the Lord. And there's something that happens in the heart of his brother, Cain. And because of this moment, Cain, it says he struck his brother Abel. He dies unjustly due to the, the actions of someone else. Jesus lives a perfect life, yet he dies for the sins of the whole world. See, but here's the distinction that I'd really like to highlight as well is that the death of Abel was involuntary. Abel did not stand before Cain and say, if you want, you can kill. It was involuntary. Cain came and he struck him. They were having a disagreement and Cain strikes him. See, the death of Jesus was not one of involuntarily going upon the cross. It says that he himself laid down his own life. That no one takes it from him. But as the good shepherd, when we read in John, when he says that I am the good shepherd, that I lay my life down willingly. No one took it from him. No one forced Jesus to go upon the cross. He fulfilled the will of his Father. And even then, when he speaks, he says that he could call legions of angels to come. But he did not. But voluntarily, he went upon the cross. Both individuals died death. The physical Jesus, his body is killed. Abel dies. And then, here's especially what I want to emphasize is 
There's blood that's shed. The blood of Abel is shed and the blood of Jesus is shed. And both of these bloods, they speak different things. If you look at the blood of Abel, it cries for vengeance. It says that it cried from the ground. And the Lord highlights that to Cain. But what did the blood of Jesus cry out? Have you ever thought about that? The blood of Jesus speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Why? The blood of Abel was crying from the ground to have vengeance upon his, for his death. So that he would be avenged for what Cain did. When Jesus' blood was shed, there was not a cry for vengeance, but there was a cry for mercy. There was a cry for grace that we see from that blood. That even though he was killed unjustly, he did it voluntarily. So that that blood would have the power to do certain things. And tonight I want to talk about a few of those moments. I want to highlight one more thing. If you look, it's interesting how it emphasizes that he is the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood. You know, in the Old Testament, that's something that Moses did to the people. He would sprinkle blood upon the people. To show that there was a covenant between them and God. See, Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant. And by his own blood, he sprinkles us. To show that there is a new covenant that now I, all of us, we can step into with Jesus. Through Jesus and our God. Three things that I want to highlight that we find through the blood of Jesus. And I want to take this directly from the example that we see the correlation between Cain and Abel. The first thing that I have is the blood of Jesus that speaks forgiveness. Like I mentioned before, when Abel is struck down, there's vengeance, there's a cry for vengeance, for something to be done because this was unjust. See, when the blood of Jesus was shed, Jesus did not cry out, Father, avenge me. And strike them. Do something to them. To those that have crucified me. That have hurt me. I want to remind us of one verse. In Luke 23, 34. Jesus asked from the cross. That the Father would forgive them. For they know not what they do. As Jesus is hanging on the cross. There when he sees the people. The same people that were crucifying him that were spitting upon him, mocking him, and laughing at him. That same Jesus, he looks to the Father and he says, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Friends, the blood of Jesus speaks a better word. I want you to remember that as you go and leave this place after all that is done here tonight. I want you to remember one thing. The blood of Jesus speaks a better word over your life. There are many people that will speak so many things over your life, but the blood of Jesus speaks a better word over your life. Jesus is calling you to forgiveness. Friends, we've all offended God. All of us, every single one of us, through our lifestyles, through our very nature, we were born into this sinful nature. Through Adam, through that very first man, that first Adam, we're born into sin. And through all of the Old Testament, we see that God is working a plan to bring a redemption story. And we see glimpses of it, but we see the fullness of this redemption through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That the perfect spotless lamb, the God-man,
who came onto earth, lived the perfect life, died the death that we all deserved, so that we could be forgiven. Ephesians verse, uh, chapter 1 verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. We have been redeemed by that precious blood. You know, but many times we as people, and I, I love you, I'm sure you've seen many videos of Ray Comfort, for example, where he goes around to, um, in Southern California, primarily, to different people he meets on the street, and he asks them, are you a good person? What's the natural inclination that we have to say? Who's going to say they're a bad person? Someone will. But for the most part, you see in these videos that everyone says, I'm a good person. Look, in our own eyes, we think that we are good. Yet our standard for goodness is very low. Our righteousness is that of dirty rags. And God's standard for righteousness is very high. It's perfection. It's something that I cannot reach, you cannot reach, we cannot reach, because we have fallen short. And you may look and be like, what are you talking about? Friend, I want to challenge you. Look at the past week of your life. If we were to take your thoughts and play it on the big screen, would you be ashamed of your thoughts? Would you still say that, man, I'm a good person? Or would you sit there and be like, turn it off, turn it off, please. Somebody turn it off. I did not think that. That was not me. Would that maybe be the response? Friends, because we on our own, we are wicked. We are broken. We are sinful. And that is why God had to send someone to solve that. And there was only one that could do that, and that is Jesus. There was no angel in heaven that could satisfy the requirements. It had to be perfection. It had to be God himself. And so Jesus comes into the form of a man to die for each and every single one of us. My friends, this is good news through the blood of the Lamb. You are able to be forgiven from every sin that you have ever committed in your life. There is so much immorality in this world. And there's so much immorality that can be found in us before we come to Christ. But friends, Jesus, His sacrifice is enough to cover all of it. All of the shame, all of the guilt, all of the past regret. The blood of Jesus is enough. There is nothing else that you need to add or do or prove to God. And say, God, look, I'm going to try for my end. No. Enough. Because His blood has been shed. It is enough. It's been finished. One of my favorite things of when Jesus is on the cross, He says, it is finished. You've probably heard this thought if you've ever heard me preach at some point. The word is tetelestai. That word would be used in many instances, but here are a few. When there would be a prisoner that would be sitting in prison, and there came the point of his freedom... And he left that prison cell. They would hang this word to tetelestai to show that, look, everything that was owed has already been done. The sentence has been fulfilled. When a person, he bought a piece of land, let's say this was the document. This was the document that would say, hey, this is the deed, you owe this land. In order to make it all complete, there was a stamp that would be used to put on it and say, Tetelestai, it's been paid in full. This now belongs to you. It's been paid. There's nothing else that's owed. Look, when Jesus said, it is finished, he literally meant, it's been done. There is nothing else they need to do. The price has been paid in full, my friend. The blood of Jesus speaks a better word. The blood of Jesus speaks a better word. Friend, maybe you're sitting here with shame or guilt. 
Maybe you're still trying to convince yourself that you're a good person. I remind you of the screen example. But God made a way through the new covenant by Jesus the mediator. Through his blood. I want to go to the next, next point. The blood of Jesus speaks that you can bear fruit. That might not make sense, but if you look back to the story in Genesis chapter 4, I don't read it for the sake of time, but one of the, the consequences of Cain striking his brother Abel and the blood that was crying out from the ground was, remember Cain, what was, what was his specialty? What was the, the fruit that he brought to the Lord? What was the sacrifice? It was that which came from the ground. And if you look, it says that the ground would no longer give the same fruit that it gave before. The very specialty that Cain has, it would no longer bear fruit. But friends, through the blood of Jesus, we have new purpose. See, Cain lost his purpose through the blood of Abel. But we have new purpose to bring fruit, good fruit, to our God. I want to remind you of John chapter 15. Jesus is speaking of a vine and the vine dresser. And remember what he says, that we are the branches you and I, we're the branches. And we produce good fruit when? When we are in Christ. When we abide in His words. When we are within Him. Then we have the necessary nutrients to be able to produce good fruit. And if you look, that it's somewhere later on in the chapter. It says that that fruit is produced to bring glory to your Father which is in heaven. The purpose of your life, the purpose of my life is to bring glory to our God. And that glory can be brought only through Jesus Christ. When we are in Christ, then we are able to produce fruit that brings glory to His name. Are you following me? Cain was no longer able to produce fruit because of what was done. Look, in our sinful life, we will never be able to bring glory to God on our own with our own righteous deeds, thinking that we can do something of, of value to the Lord. But when we are found in Christ, when we have been washed by His blood, His blood speaks a better word that now you and I, we can produce good fruit for the glory of our God. We can produce the fruit of the Spirit, not of ourselves, but of the Spirit because of the blood that's been applied upon our lives. And the last thing I want to point out with the story of Cain and the blood of Jesus, the blood of Abel. The blood of Jesus speaks that you can come before your God and not wander as a vagabond. If you look, there was something very interesting that happens is that Cain, it says that he left. He was a wanderer as a result of his sin. He left the presence of God. And he went to a city of, uh, called Nod, which literally means wanderer. Cain ends up building a city. But look, there's something that's missing. He is no longer there where he is supposed to be. He is somewhere far from the Lord. But friends, that's where each of us deserve to be, somewhere far from God. But because of the blood of Jesus, Ephesians writes about this. Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of the Lamb. 
This is the challenge that our world is having today. There are so many people that are wandering seeking purpose, not knowing that the vacuum inside can only be filled by God himself. But in our sinfulness, we cannot come approach the throne of God. But because of the blood of Jesus, you are able to come near God. You no longer have to be cast away. You don't have to be like Cain that's just wandering aimlessly in life thinking, look, I'm going to build a city. This is what my life is missing. He's a wanderer. There is nothing that will be able to satisfy that gaping hole in his heart. My friend, in Christ Jesus, there is true satisfaction. You can come into the most valuable place there ever is. And that's in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. My friend, I, I imagine that if I asked any one of us here in this place, there is an opportunity to come to the White House and talk with Joe Biden. We can respond differently to that. But regardless of the situation, that's, a per that's our president. Like, that's a man that he's over our country. I think all of us would take that opportunity. Or what, what if for, for the next president or somebody else or some, some other figure that many people look up to that has so much power and authority. Friends, now imagine that the God of the universe, the one who sits enthroned high in the heavens, higher than all of these thrones here on earth, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who knows you so dearly, so closely, that knows every single hair that is on your head. He knows you. That God is giving you an opportunity to be in His presence. You know, I, I look to my own life and I, I see there are so many times where I myself don't value the presence of God as much as I should. There is no sweeter place, there is no better place than being in the presence of the Almighty God. The one who loves you so much, the one who has purpose for you. Friends, there are so many people that have chased so many things in this life, yet have still been left unsatisfied. Would we find that there is more to this life than materialistic gain? than status. You know, if you look, that some of, the, some of the simplest people had the most joy here on earth. Those that not many people knew about, but God knew them and that was enough for them. They were able to spend time with their God, their creator, the lover of their souls, not because of their own doing, but because of the blood of Jesus. My friend, I want to ask you, have you been in his presence before? Have you come to the throne room of grace that we read about in Hebrews chapter 4 with confidence, being able to come in time of need and know you will be able to receive help from God who is on His throne? When was the last time that you said a prayer? When was the last time that you truly pondered upon the majesty of our God? I want to bring us back to the beginning of where I began in this message. Have you truly been born again? Have the, has the blood of Jesus truly changed your life? Has the blood of Jesus truly been applied upon your life? You can hear about these things, but it's another thing to experience it. 
Friends, this life, it's so short. What David is saying about, you know, the car accidents. It takes one car accident. It takes not even your fault, just someone else to do something. And our life is just like a vapor. It's gone. And we spend so much time. Who's seen the Francis Chan example? You guys know what I'm talking about? The little red piece of tape and the line that goes all across the stage? You've never seen that? Wow. So imagine, imagine, here's the cable. It begins here from this box. And imagine this box right here, this junction box. There's our life here on earth. And imagine I take this and I just bring it across the stage. You see it, you see it. Now imagine, use your imagination here, that this rope just, or this, this cable just goes on and on and on for all of eternity. So many times here on earth, we get so caught up with the junction box. We think that this is it, but there is still so much more ahead. There is still so much more ahead. And we think, no, I, I've still got my life to live on earth. We put so much, imagine like investing. You would invest not into the shorter part, but into the longer part, right? Logically speaking. Friends, let us realize that this life is so temporary here on earth. You might think, look, I'm, I'm still going to go and try to just pursue my passions. Forget this whole God thing, this church thing. Friends, we may have the mentality that, look, when I get old, that's when I, that's when I will come to the Lord. It's good if you have that opportunity, but many people don't have that opportunity. And they come face to face with their reality. They had the opportunity. They were sitting in the same pews that you were sitting in. But yet that word was not able to be received to change them. They heard about the blood. They heard about the sacrifice, but they thought just a little bit more. I still like what I'm doing. Just a little bit more. I'm still going to play the facade. My friends, how long do we have? I want to plead with each and every single one of you. If you have not given your life onto Christ, if you, you have not received the blood of Jesus upon your life and received that new covenant through His blood, I encourage you to make that decision tonight. Look, we're going we're gonna to end this service. There's I Gather Night tonight. Super exciting stuff. But friends, may this opportunity not pass you by. It's time to come back to the Father. It's, it's time to come back and be in His presence. There's no better place. I haven't been alive on this earth for so long, for very long. I'm sorry, this is my phone. I apologize. But I've always tried to... Um, you know, be involved, be in the church. And I, I can honestly tell you, I'm not the richest guy on earth. As you can see, drive simple cars, live in a little house in Federal Way. I tell you, there's no better place than to be in the presence of God. Being with Him. This time on earth, it's so short. You know, we, with... Uh, with our family, we've been going through some, some challenges. Our second son, he was diagnosed with something called spina bifida. If you've ever heard of that, it's, uh, or have never heard of that, it's a neurological defect. The spinal cord doesn't fully close up. Let me tell you, there's so many people that have received news like that and respond differently. And I, I don't credit any of this to myself. I give all credit to the Lord. 
some of the most challenging moments of our life with me and my wife, our family. But it was in that moment when it seems like the whole world is crashing around you where there is such a supernatural peace that I cannot explain. Look, I, I, can't, I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything. But I know that my God, He's, he's going to take care of us. My God, He's got everything under control. He's not lost His grip on this world. He's definitely not lost His grip on my life. We've already seen so many testimonies, how many people have been encouraged through his short life of just three and a half months. It was about two months ago where he needed surgery essentially coming up. It was just like a, we went to the ER and they're like, look, he's going to need surgery uh, on his head to place something called a shunt, common for these kind of babies. You know, we do what we know what to do. We're just going to come into the presence of God because through the blood of Jesus, we, we have that boldness to be able to approach his throne. I don't deserve it, but because of his blood, I can come. And we were praying. We were seeking the Lord. I remember I was walking through U Village because we were at Seattle Children's in Seattle. Right? Makes sense. And I'm just driving, strolling, my oldest son, and I'm just crying. Crying before the Lord there, like amongst all the shops. Seeking the Lord. Our family was praying. Our church was praying. They had an MRI schedule that evening. The next morning, the doctor came in, and one of the things, if you know babies, they have a soft spot. And his soft spot essentially was bulging, and so they needed to relieve that pressure from all the water buildup in his head. And so he's doing a few things. There was a few other symptoms. But he comes, and he feels around. This is 5.30 a.m. I was still sleeping. But I wake up to, like, just a group of people in the room. They're preparing for surgery. He already stopped eating. And then they just all walked out. And we hear a comment that the bulge has disappeared. A couple hours later, or it was like an hour, or excuse me, half an hour later, the nurse comes in, to, it says to resume feeding. A couple hours later after that, the doctor just discharges us and says, look, I have no idea what's going on. Don't know what happened, but he doesn't need surgery anymore. And I know that I'm just looking, I'm saying, Lord, I don't understand this whole situation, but I know that you've got everything in your hands. Friends, this life's not an easy one. But let me tell you, there is no better place than just to be in His presence and cry it out before Him and say, God, you know my life. You know everything about me. Would you take care of us? And that's what I'm so thankful for, for the blood. It didn't just forgive me, but it gave me access to the throne room of grace because of the blood because of the blood, the blood of Jesus speaks a better word over your life. Friend, maybe you're here in brokenness. Come out of a messy situation and family, whatever it is. Friend, through the blood of Jesus, you could come and with boldness come and say, God, this is what's going on. And know that he doesn't just understand, but he can do something about our situations. Amen? Friends, I want to call us to a simple prayer. I don't want to push on anybody's emotion. But if you heard the word tonight, the blood of Jesus speaks a better word. And you want that blood upon, applied upon your life. You want to give yourself onto this God and stand in covenant with Him through the blood of Jesus. I'd like, you, I'd like to invite you into that tonight to make that step it's not a shameful thing. That's the most glorious thing ever. 
That's when the angels, they look down and it says, and they rejoice for one sinner that repents. Just one. Not a crowd, not a mass, just one. My friends, that's the most glorious thing that can happen here on earth. Let us stand. Bow our heads and close our eyes. I want to just spend some time in prayer. Friend, I don't know what you've been going through. I don't know. Maybe this is the message that your soul's been longing to hear. But friend, tonight, Jesus is here in this place. His presence is here. And through his blood, you can come boldly before him. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for all that I've done. Wash me clean. That I may bear good fruit and that I may be in your presence. That I would draw near to you.